Now, uh, I'm going to try to wrap this up tonight for this time. There's a couple of things that I want to show you in the Word that, that are key um, in, in what I'm saying about um, our attitude with the things of God. And like I always, you know, when I go to the Bible college, I always tell them, listen, what I'm bringing you may not seem deep, but one thing that I've learned watching over 40 years if you don't get these principles right, you may not complete your course the way God wants it. I've seen people, and I'll, I mean, I said it, I think this morning, I'll say it again. I've seen people that were more anointed, that they were more eloquent and seemingly more developed in their gift, but they miss these things, like staying properly connected or having the right attitude, or serving someone until God really has finished the process till you could have your own. You know, sometimes we think we're ready before we're ready, you know. You know, I appreciate that, you know, I think it was uh, 2013 before Dr. Exited, uh, Dr. Jacobs gives the account that they were at a meeting with him over in somewhere, I don't know if it was Clarksville, Tennessee, or somewhere, and doctor ministered to them and he said you have gotten what was the verbiage you have gotten everything you need from my mantle and I remember Pastor Diana you know telling me she says you know when doctor said that she goes oh, I thought man it sounds like we're being kicked out or something you know of course we didn't know what was ahead you know, but he, when he laid hands on Dr. Jacobs and I mean, Pastor Ryan, he said, you have gotten everything that you need from my mantle. And of course, we didn't know that, you know, practically by the end of the year, you know, he wouldn't be here on the, on the earth, you know, but uh, think about being in that meeting and getting those impartations, you know, that you needed to get, but he stayed with him till the end. And uh, how many people didn't get those impartations that they needed? Get all the impartations that were needed. That were needed from that mantle. Think about that. And, uh, you know, the, the last week that he did a full week service, he was in our church. And I believe that that was divinely orchestrated by the Holy Ghost. And uh, on Wednesday, he stepped into anointing that we had never seen before. He said, Jesus just walked into the room and he wants to, me to impart to you for him, everyone in this congregation. And so Jesus showed up on Wednesday night and he imparted to everyone. It was just a phenomenal, uh, a very holy service. And I really believe that God gave that to us because we honored doctor. Because he was in such close proximity, like I said, we would, we would schedule doctor, you know, three times, you know, January, boom, right away before he ever went into his meeting. You know, we schedule him, you know, in the summer. We, we, and then, you know, he would call us. And he would say, you know, one time we got up and we said, you know, it's Easter Sunday. You know, we had our big service, you know, and this we were getting ready for it. We said, you know, this Sunday, you know, we're going to have our big service. You know, it's a lot of programs and stuff. And then, you know, we won't have Sunday night. You know, we probably said that in the beginning of the week. And then doctor, you know, through Mitch calls and said, uh, are you, are, you know, would you, could you use me on Sunday night? So we come back to our congregation the next service and we said, well, you know, you were going to have Sunday night off, but the prophet decided that 
he was going to come. So, you know, uh, do whatever you're going to do. Do it fast. Come back. The prophet's going to be in the house. And, and that's how we entreated Dr. Dufresne. And we really got a lot of impartations from him. And so we are, we're blessed because this works. When you honor and you entreat and you reverence the way that God has authored us to, there is a reward. Amen. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12 and, and let, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words and for utterances and Father, for the impartations. Father, I, whenever I go somewhere, I remember Dr. Dufresne's voice and he said, Pastor Debbie, you need to be in churches and preach this message. And, and, and I know that that was really, t he, he was encouraging me that, that I should accept when people <laughs> give me an invitation. And I'm so thankful for that, Amen. that he saw something, Father. And, and I'm grateful. So here I am, and I am trusting in the Holy Spirit to do and to say what is necessary for this service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Numbers chapter 12. Uh, I'm, uh, we, let's look at some things, what we've been talking about. I know I made reference to it, but I want to look at the verses. Numbers chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I'm reading out of the Amplified Translation. Now, Miriam and Aaron talked against Moses, their brother, because of the Cushite wife, for he had married a, a Cushite woman. And that's all it says about that. They complained of his choice of wife. And here, verse 2, better pay attention to this. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Is Moses the only one that God uses to flow in the gifts of the Spirit? That's what they're saying. To, to one another. You know, we're, we're here operating. God shows us some things. He says some things to us. We've been used to prophesy and we, we've been used in, in leadership position. Does God only use Moses? There is a danger that when you are serving and you get close to that mantle and that anointing gets on you from the mantle of your leader and you operate in it. And you may see some things and know some things and, and, and even operate in a small measure. Maybe the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. You know, that's possible to do that. But the danger in that is to think that you can suppose that you're someplace that you're not in spiritual ranking. And that's dangerous. And, and here, when, when you see the account, you know, they're criticizing something in the natural about him. He's been chosen to be the leader. His, 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 you know, really his, his salvation in the sense, I'm not talking about born again, but, you know, his existence was supernatural because they were killing everybody in those days. And they didn't take any of that into account when they decided to speak against him. I remember a time that, you know, uh, the pastor, it, you know, we were, we're a young church and, you know, we were learning and growing and, and, um, the pastor said, you know, people would, would say to him, you know, that in those days they were talking about church growth, you know, what can we do? And there was all kinds of things out. So the pastor, he, he chose a few people that he thought, 
you know, could have leadership potential. You know, some of them were in business and stuff. And he, and he got a group together and he called it an advisory group. Which made up of, let me see, two, four, six, maybe seven people. And he asked us to be on it, and we really didn't want to, but he asked us, and, and, and so we said, yes, we were not in, you know, we were not the associates, we were just congregation members, but he said, you know, Johnny and Debbie, I'm going to pull a group together. I want them to kind of examine what we're doing, you know, some natural things, we can do some things better to accommodate people, you know, let's, let's, I want you guys all to meet. And we were meeting without him. So we would gather together, you know, at somebody's house, and, uh, you know, trying to find out the things that we could change that would um, make the church more appealing. And we get together, these seven people, and they started talking more about the length of the service, the pastor's wife, Mascara, how long her nails are. It wasn't productive. Because they began to pick apart. But what it let us know was that's what they were looking at. They weren't looking at someone that had a, a, a born again experience a man that had been an alcoholic and a gambler and just, you know, the last year of his life, you know, just drank every day, you know, sometimes could hold a job, couldn't. And, and he went to bed one night having a Pentecostal grandmother that prayed for him. He went to bed one night and said, Jesus, I have always believed that you were real. And if you are, could you help me? And the man woke up delivered from demons, delivered from alcohol, delivered from gambling with a mission. His salvation experience was phenomenal. And he began to get around people. And of course, you know, this is like the late 70s and, you know, somewhere the late 70s into the 80s, you know. And so he got around people that he knew, you know, and, and he began to grow and God gave him a vision for the church. And, 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 and he began, the anointing began to gather people. And, and so he founded the church and had a vision. God, God gave him a vision and told him what he wanted the church to be. He would, he would uh, uh, close himself off for a time of fasting and praying, and he prayed things out that the foundation of the church, so many supernatural things happened because of his prayer life, and he prayed those things out. But here are these people that were supposed to be mature and committed just begin to say, well, I think when people come in and they don't know us, these things could be offensive. Now, you understand, we're not into seeker sensitive at that point yet. Of course, it did get that, you know, that did come into play into the, into the body. But, but at that time, and so, you know, you're kind of like going like, do you think that that matters to a hungry, hurting person? You know, all of these things that they were saying were annoyances. They, they never affected me when I got there. There was an anointing. There was preaching of the word, revelation. The gifts of the spirit operated. But they didn't think 
there was anything wrong with criticizing the man and woman of God. God had to remove those people because some of them were staff. And eventually through the years, he had to remove them. Why? Because they didn't regard God's choice. Always remember that. It's God's choice. If you, if you always think about that, it will help you make a right decision when you think, wait a minute. You, even when you're in a, in a position, you know, maybe, you know, a head of a department or something, and you begin to struggle, you know, we have to work with people in the church. And, you know, God uh, perfects our love walk by having us work with people that just absolutely bother us in the flesh. And, you know, iron sharpeneth iron. And we have to come into one, into unity. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that's part of the progression of being developed. Of learning how to prefer someone and work together and come into unity. People don't understand that that is so vital for, for anything else that God's going to do with you in a, in a, in a vein of leadership. <laughs> and people don't even think about those things. Sometimes people just, just have an attitude in, in a department or something, and they think that they've got carte blanche not to represent their pastor. Because every congregation member represents their pastors. And you got to think about that. Amen? And so here, she said, you know, they said to each other, has he not spoken also by us? They were too familiar. And there is a danger in becoming familiar with your man and woman of God and thinking that you know them or, or pick apart their idiosyncrasies or, or whatever. You know, every one of us have things that, you know, could bother someone else. It's, they're not even worth mentioning. But here, these got in trouble when they did that. Amen. And, you know, I realize that we're in a new covenant, a better covenant, but some of these things really do open the door to the devil. It's not God trying to hurt us, but when we violate certain things and we walk out of love and we walk out of unity, then we open the door for the devil's access to us. And that's why we have to be mindful of these things. Verse three, now the man Moses was very meek, gentle, kind, and humble or above all the men on the face of the earth. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. God called the meeting. Moses didn't have to go to God and say, God, they're talking about me. They're criticizing me. You know, they're, they're bringing dissension. They're causing people to not respect me as I ought. Moses didn't do any of that. God called the meeting. And let me tell you why he did. Because for the people to fulfill what God had promised, for that, that, the, the covenant to be fulfilled and take them into the promised land, they had to have their eyes on whoever the leader was. And so every time some sort of, uh, of incident rose up like this, God dealt with it because it was going to hinder what he had already promised he was going to do for the children of Israel. And so when we get out of step like this, we have to understand it can hinder the flow of what God wants to do in our midst, in our local churches. Amen. 
the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the door at the tent door and called Aaron and Miriam and they came forward and he said hear now my words if there is a prophet among you I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision and speak to him in a dream but not so with my servant Moses he is entrusted and faithful in all my house with him I speak mouth to mouth directly clearly and not in dark speeches and he beholds the form of the Lord why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses that should be a warning for all of us I tell my congregation you know when we institute something please understand that the ushers didn't think of this they didn't institute some new way of doing things just to irritate you. They did it because it came from my husband and I. You know, we have a coffee shop. And, you know, I don't, you know, it's so funny, you know, when people get into churches, you know, how we think that our, our things that, you know, we have to purchase and we have to keep inventory, you know, somehow when it's the church, you know, they kind of feel like there are no regulations when it comes to things like that. We have coffee drinks and they need to be made a specific way so that the inventory, we know that the product lasts a certain amount of time. And you understand we're not in the market of making money on that. It's a, it's a service that we provide in a form of fellowship for our congregation members. But there are guidelines to the people that work there as to how to make it. Two pumps, not four. And they go, well, I'm just doing for my, for my friend, okay? But then multiply that by everybody else that's working in the... And people think, think nothing of that. It's like they bought it and they're at home using their own home syrup. And I go, folks, you don't think it's a big deal? But there is a reason why we have a recipe and we have measurements. And sometimes people find it so difficult to follow a recipe. <laughs> now, you go, well, what's the big deal? Well, you know what? There is steps in the word of God that have to be followed. And when you decide you're not going to use the measuring cup or spoon or whatever, you know, you're just going to wing it. You know, most of the time, that's a habit they have. So they kind of wing it with the word. Or they feel like it doesn't apply to them. I know that they just had another meeting for this department, and they are looking at some of the things that we're slacking in. I get it. But somehow, they walk away when we've tried to reinforce, we need you to be here at a certain time. This is your duties to get ready for the service. You know, the ushers come in, they straighten up the chairs, they take the, you know, garbage cans out and they, just different things that they do. The, the mocha workers, our coffee shop workers, they do certain things and we have a meeting because they begin to be lax in it. And so we have a meeting 
so that we can tighten up the belt here. And they all kind of feel like this doesn't apply to me. (laughs) The problem with that attitude is that you take that approach with a word. I'll take this, but I won't take that. I'll take four pumps of blessing. But a shot of criticism with it. And I tell them, I say, listen, and I tell my congregation, when the ushers are having trouble with the congregation members, I say, folks, please, when they are asking you to do something, would you understand that it's coming from us? They are not making up the rules as they go. We are asking you to do something that makes a nice flow for the church. We have thought this out. We have given them instructions. Why would you get offended? At at where they're, they're seating you or how the flow of seating comes. Why would you get offended at that when we have already thought it out? But you obviously didn't think that it came from my husband and I. Because you would not tell us that you don't want to do it. We read the scriptures sometimes and we don't do it, but we don't think that our negligence of them is actually saying to God, I refuse to do that. You get that? We don't do it, but we don't think that we're saying to God, I'm not going to do it. But your actions are saying that. That's why it's so crucial for us to flourish that we understand these are the things that will take us off course. They criticize. I mean, listen, I I saw people that after they got familiar with the anointing, after their lives got put back together, and after, you know, things began to go good, then all of a sudden they became critical of the anointing and of the man and woman of God and, and of the whole structure. And you're thinking, well, what happened when you were hurting? What happened when this was a lifeline? What, what was the change? When did Miriam and Aaron, when did they f- decide that Moses wasn't the leader that God called him to be. What was the turning point? I mean, they were slaves and God sent him to lead them out with signs and wonders. When did they forget about those signs and wonders that they thought they could approach their criticism towards him and that God wouldn't hear it? That's the biggest thing. I think the biggest lesson here is God hears what we're saying. God hears the attitude that we're, we're infecting someone else with. And that's very dangerous to, to criticize the flow of the service or the, the pastor and the, 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 you know, how he's instituted things to flow. It's so dangerous, but it's common thing that people can just easily fall into. This is why God refreshes us and he reminds us. I'm not here telling you that you do this. This is, this is not, you know, my assignment at all. My assignment is to get you to wake up to the fact that this would be easy to do. Do you get that? 
I, I'm not going, you know, there's a church full of people that don't listen. No, no, no. I, I'm just trying to, to, to recognize that if the temptation comes, recognize how it's going to try to take you off course. Recognize how it will affect every decision that you make when you fall into these areas of, of being casual. You know, you keep reverence and honor on purpose. You do it on purpose. We did it with Dr. Frank. We knew that this man operated in a prophet's mantle, a prophet's anointing. And, 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 and we loved him and we, you know, made a way for everything that he wanted. But there was a, 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 a sense where there were lines that we would not cross. Because we wanted to keep our expectation of this anointing and this man of God that God had brought into our lives. We didn't want to be casual with him. And we did that on purpose. You have to be mindful of these things. You know, when, when you get into something, you determine if you're going to stick it out or not. When, when Dr. Dufresne, when we went to a service where, where he was at, and of course we had had him in our church because our pastor would, would invite him to speak so that we knew him. But when we were now pastors and we went to the first meeting and I mean, I, you know, he was speaking the words of life to us and we were just so hungry to hear what he had to deliver. But that night he said, and he did not tell us then, he told us later, he said when he saw us and he knew who we were, he said the spirit of God said this is a divine connection. But he said, I knew not to say anything and just let God work it out. But we equally felt something immediately that God had for us from this man. And just like the word says, you know, when you get a, 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 a pastor and you're in your own sheepfold, there are certain things that earmark the fact that you're in the right place. You begin to increase, you know, uh, burns begin to be lifted, you know, confusion goes because revelation comes and it may not happen all the first day, but gradually this is the, what lets you know that you are in the right place. When we got with Dr. Dufresne, these things began to happen. The ministry began to turn, you know, there was a flow of increase that took place because we got connected why would we want to disturb this increase that we were having but most people don't think about that I've seen people come around and and they they experience the increase but then after a while when they've had increase for a while they forget that the increase was because they connected themselves with the will of God amen and Miriam and Aaron forgot that they were slaves waiting for the promise. And God sent Moses. Don't ever forget what your local church means to you. Don't ever forget how your life has been changed when you finally got correctly, you know, uh, planted in your church. Don't ever lose sight of that. Because it's too easy to let things bother you once you have enjoyed increase amen and you will enjoy increase and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed verse 10 and when the cloud departed over the tent behold Miriam was leprous as white as snow, and Aaron looked at Miriam, and behold she was leprous now you know there's a, there was a consequence that came on 
And Moses had to intercede so that she would not, you know, be taken out by this. But do you know that she violated against him? You know, sometimes the one that you are, you know, violating, you know, the office of the pastor is the, the office that's there to rescue you. When you, when, when, when you have these conversations that are not right and it opens the door and sickness comes or uh, trouble comes in the family or finances come. People need to connect the dots that where, where did we let the breach come? And so we have to be mindful of these things. And like I said, I'm not saying that anyone here is violating. I'm saying that these are the things that we need to recognize. When I saw all these things taking place, God began to deal with me. And he began to say, this is why that's happening. And that's why that's happening. And you know, it puts a reverential fear in you like, okay, I better... I better, you know, watch my thoughts and, and I better make sure that I don't, you know, overstep that line that would, you know, be a deterrent or a hindrance to the flow. You know, now that, you know, my husband and I are pastoring, you know, I, there's so many things that I remember the pastor said that I go, mm, I get it now. But, you know, there are just people that are easy to flow with and you enjoy that. And then there are people that are skillful, but they're hard to flow with them. You got to decide that you're going to be a person that's easy to flow with. Yeah. That, that, that you, you enjoy what you're doing. You know, nobody wants to ask somebody to do something and they look like it's such a burden to get it done. When you, want, when you ask someone to do something, you want it to be a joy to them. Amen. And if we're going to keep our place. Amen. You know, there were different times that, you know, things, things happen in your finances, you know. And uh, there were different times, especially when that economy thing hit in 2006 and 2007. And that finances, it, it really hit California. You know, the housing market crashed and everything. And so, like, our finances, our business people... Uh, 45% of the income that they were bringing in was just gone. We didn't have a high overhead, so we were, you know, tight, but okay. But, and then God gave us a miracle in a sale of a building that took us all through that. But before that happened, you know, things were, you know, tight. And of course, you're, you're people of faith. You're going to make it work. But, you know, really... And we, and we never said anything, but there were times when, you know, doctor would say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in, you know, Sacramento, uh, uh, and, you know, Wednesday and Thursday. How about Tuesday? Can you use me for Tuesday? Yes, sir, doctor. You know, when doctor came, you know, he brought his plane. There was a travel amount and everything. And I mean, we, we, it was like we did everything in our power to get him the best offering that we could in this, you know, really recessed season and, and, and to get that travel and never say a word about it. I mean, we just, I mean, we did everything and he never knew, but we knew because we honored, even when it was a sacrifice that God would repay us. Amen. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you, we have been blessed because of that. Now, let me take you very quickly to, to Numbers uh, chapter 16. 
these are the things that people sometimes they just, they don't get it. And you have to see that God looks at the way we do things. It's not just that we do them. I've had staff members that they get into works. They show up and they do, but they don't progress in their development with God on a personal level. You know, when you are assisting the vision, when you are close to the man or woman of God, your service is one thing, but your spiritual development is another. You cannot serve and neglect your spiritual development because you will hinder the flow. You can't show up all the time and be there and do everything they want and not have a ongoing relationship where you are increasing in your fellowship and development privately. Because what happens, you get into works and you think that you're okay because you're here early and you go above and beyond, but you're dull on the inside. So you will not keep pace with the flow of the spirit. We have to develop to keep pace. And this is something that people don't understand. I mean, I've had people that they're, you know, they're precious, but you're into works. You, 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 you've lost your sensitivity in your fellowship to God. So you don't even know how cold you are becoming and how dull you're becoming to spiritual things. But because you're here and you're in a position, you think you're all right. You're not all right. Because something's going to come along that your faith should have been developed to handle it. It could be sickness in your body. It could be a financial situation. And your faith should have been developed to handle it. But it wasn't because you were into works and you let go of developing spiritually. I've seen it happen. And you know what? Precious people, and you care about them, but they are dull. And so then when you try to deal with them, when you try to say, this is what the Lord said to do, then you find out how empty they really are because they turn on you. My husband was an usher for years, the head usher. And, and I'm going to condense this. We, we got into business with someone in the church and we really shouldn't have. And, but we were very young in the Lord, and so it didn't work out. So you can understand with money, it was, you know, it was a, a, something that really tried to hinder us in moving forward because it was just a lot of money deals that went wrong, you know. And so, you know, my husband really struggled with it. And so he was kind of going through the motions, and then one day he said to me, he goes, I'm, I'm going to sit myself down. And, I, you know, it, that kind of bothered me. I thought, oh, my God, don't do that. And he said, Debbie, if I don't sit down under the word, I'm in bad shape on the inside. I won't make it. Because he was having trouble getting over this offense with someone else in the church. And he knew I come to church and I'm doing my duty and I'm doing it the best that I can, but I'm not getting fed from the anointing because I'm serving, and right now I am in a bad spot. 
And I'm thankful that he had enough wisdom to understand that he had to put a premium on the word and not what he looked like. So he went to the pastor and he said, pastor, I, I want to sit down. He said, you have some other men now, you know, we're a little bit more established and, and that, you know, there's some great men that can take my place. But pastor, if I don't start sitting down under the word and paying attention wholeheartedly, I'm not in a good place. And my husband, when he would go to the Bible college, he said, I got offended with someone in the church and it cost me two years of my development in the Lord. Cost me two years. For two years, I didn't develop because I was offended at someone. And thank God, the wisdom of God came on him and, and, and the grace of God for him to recognize, I can't keep going like this. Because <sighs> I'm changing what I believe because I'm hurt and I'm offended. And so it's never wrong for your pastor to say, listen, you need to sit down. You need to sit down and take in so that you can recap what you have lost. And people with wrong thinking think it's a demotion instead of a rescue. And then they stop coming to church. And what they believed about being in the anointing, they don't believe anymore. And every little excuse, they're not there when God was trying to rescue them. We have our own ideas because we, because we don't keep developing. Amen. Numbers chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Now, Korah, and I'm not going to say all these names because, again, remember, I'm not a theologian. Korah, let me take you up to verse 2. Korah and three others <laughs> rose up before Moses. And certain of the Israelites, 250 princes or leaders of the congregation, called to the assembly men well-known and of distinction. These are men that are recognized. And they get influenced. And they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, Enough of you. You take too much upon yourselves, seeing that all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you lift yourselves up above the assembly of the Lord? Why do you lift yourself up? Think about that. Let me, let me read that verse 3 in the King James translation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, you take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation and above the Lord? Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? You take too much upon yourself. You think that you're better than all of us just because you're the leader is what they're really saying. You think you're better. Let, 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 me, let me give you this in the, the living translation. They went to Moses and Aaron and said, we have had enough of your presumption. You are no better than anyone else. Everyone in Israel has been chosen of the Lord, and he is with all of us. 
What right do you have to put yourselves forward claiming that we must obey you and acting as though you were greater than anyone else among all these people of the Lord? Now, that's a little clearer. Wow. Wow. Do you remember these are leaders now, but at one time they were slaves. These people were brought out of the condition and the hardship they were in by the chosen man, Moses. And they somehow have forgot that God chose Moses to bring them out. And now they have distinguished positions. And these positions think that they can suppose themselves to be above Moses, which was God's choice. It's dangerous. We've got to watch our attitude. Because our attitude is everything. And these attitudes do not go unnoticed. And especially when we're working close in ministry. And let me just say this. When you are on the edge of, uh, of stepping over in dangerous territory, do you understand that the first thing that God does to rescue you is he brings a message? Because when you keep meditating on the wrong thing, yes, the Holy Spirit has tried to warn you, but when you bypass that, the first means of rescue, you get it? You have given in to the mind, the mindset. Because, you know, the, when, when you follow the leading of the Spirit, the inward witness, you would know not to even go there. But when you bypass that, your first rescue is a message. Amen. Stop, look, listen. Yes. But when we disregard the message, then things intensify. We get offended at the message that's trying to rescue us. We think we're being singled out. How many times do people that are in a bad way think, well, they're just preaching to me? Well, you are in a bad place. Yes, the Spirit of God is trying to talk to you because he's trying to get you to change your way of thinking and your approach to things. He's trying to rescue you. And this is what people don't understand. You know, when someone comes, you know, especially when Dr. Frank used to come, I always would, would endeavor to listen. What is, what is the Spirit of God trying to tell us? One year, and I was telling my congregation member, I said, one year Dr. Frank came, it was in a January, and I remember clearly he said, you know, God's been dealing with me about how I treat my wife. He's just been dealing with me examine myself. How am I treating my wife? This was in January. First meeting that we would have a year was Dr. Dufresne. He'd come like the first, second, third, you know, right out of the chute. And, you know, I never sat there and listened to him and think when he would say something like that, that I didn't have to go, wow, I better think about how I treat my husband. Because if God is dealing with the prophet to just examine that area, examine it, make sure you're on course there. Why would I think that God wasn't trying to tell every one of us that were there? 
But people sometimes don't understand the importance of the message that shows up. Because the message is the first way that God is trying to help us. So that we can repent. These staff members that that completely got moved out. And I think I said this Saturday night, you know, there was a prophet that came and he began to give a, a, a word of the Lord to the pastor. My husband had dri- driven him to the meeting. When they came back, I said, Hey, how was the meeting last night? He goes, Oh, it was pretty good. You know, he's very, you know, not, not very expressive. And then he said, um, you know, the, the, the man of God prophesied over the pastor. I go, he did what he say? And he goes, well, I got the tape. So he says, he's the first one on there. So, you know, it's cassette tape. I go in there and I find it. And I'm not going, Oh my God. I mean, basically it's a warning that there are people around that God's been trying to deal with and deal with and deal with, and they will not deal, but they're hindering the flow of the man of God moving forward. And God's saying, I'm going to have to remove them. Oh my God. This is like 1988. I had just gotten on staff. I typed this out. I gave one to everyone on staff. We better read this. And I remember when I read it, I said, Lord, don't let this be me. Do not let me, this be me. I mean, I begin to examine myself. If I'm doing something that is not conducive to the flow of the things of what you've got him to do, then God, don't let this be me. And do you know, my husband and I really on staff were the only ones really that were left on staff. You know, there were others that were still in the church, but the other ones were removed and that's who God was talking about. But that word that came was their rescue. If they would have recognized what they were doing and repented, God didn't want them, their lives to be shipwreck. That's why it's important that we look at certain things like this and go, listen, let me continue to examine myself. And I'm not talking about putting yourself under condemnation. But examine certain things that can be dangerous. Amen. So, of course, you know, he, he incites a rebellion in the King, in the Living Translation, verse 2. He said to incite a rebellion against Moses. 250 popular leaders, all members of the assembly, were involved. They went to Moses and Aaron and said, this is verse 3, We have had enough of your presumption. You are no better than anyone else. Everyone in Israel has been chosen of the Lord. How many people say, you know, I don't have to come to church. You know, I've got Jesus. Well, yeah, you've got him for your savior, but the, the, the five-fold ministry is for your, you know, equipping for your development. He says, you know, you're no better than us. What right do you have to put yourselves forward claiming that we must obey you and acting as though you were greater than anyone else among all these people of the Lord? How about this one? You know, claiming that we must obey you. That's popular now. Nobody likes the word submission anymore. It's a bad word. They go, it's negative. Submission is not negative. You know, you have to submit to the laws when you drive. You, ha- you have to submit to rules and regulations. Submission is not a bad word. It's a word that helps things flow. But this younger generation, they don't want to have any restraints. They don't want anyone telling them what to do. They don't want rules and regulations. They don't want order. And I mean, of course, I'm sure if anybody's watched the news, you know, in the United States, how much things are out of order in people's lives. I mean, why would you vandalize, you know, and, and, and just destroy cities and stuff? Those are the people that don't like the word submission. I want to be submitted. I want to be accountable. 
I want someone with some spiritual oversight that if somehow I'm getting off for whatever reason, maybe not even an intention, but somehow I'm looking at something wrong, I want someone to say, hey, you better look at this. It is safe. You know, one thing I tell my congregation, I don't ask you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. I don't ask you to give and then I'm not giving. I'm not asking you to honor and then I'm not honoring. I'm not asking you to submit and then I'm not submitting. I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't believe in that I'm doing myself. And I hope that that makes them feel safe. That someone else knows what we're doing in the church. <laughs> you know, everybody has parents. When Moses, verse 4, heard what they were saying, he fell downward to the ground. Then he said to Korah and to those who were with him, In the morning the Lord will show you who are his and who is holy and whom he has chosen as his priest. Now, notice that with Miriam and Aaron, God stepped in and called a meeting. Now, God is really allowing Moses to have the authority to deal with it. Think about that. Verse 6, do this, you, Korah, and all those with you. Take censers tomorrow and light them and put incense upon them before the Lord, and we will find out whom the Lord has chosen. You are the presumptuous ones, you sons of Levi. <laughs> then Moses spoke again to Korah, does it seem a small thing to you that the God of Israel has chosen you from among all the people of Israel to be near to himself as you work in the tabernacle of Jehovah and to stand before the people to minister to them. This is ministry of helps. He says, is it a small thing that God has chosen you to be part of the ministry of helps? Is it a small thing to you that God has chosen you to be a part of the ministry of helps? <laughs> you know, we do have the last say as to who is in positions in ministry of helps. And if it bears witness with our spirit, it bears witness with God. We, we as pastors, we go, yes, that, that person will work. That, you know, that's God saying you're chosen. Is it a small thing? Think about that. Is it a small thing? No, it's not a small thing. I don't care if I work in the nursery. I don't care if I'm working in the coffee shop. I don't care if I'm ushering. I don't care what I'm doing. It's not a small thing. Because God has chosen me to do it. And as long as he chose me, it's not a small thing. You know, I, I pastor in Merced, California. It's a very rural. It's not a small thing. Why? It's my assignment. You get it? Whatever God has chosen me to do is not a small thing. And I, I get that there are other people that he's given them more responsibility, but it doesn't make what I'm doing small. Because I've been chosen to do what I'm doing. So that's why you're never in competition with anybody. I'm fulfilled doing what God's called me to do. And just like Dr. Frank used to say, he said, I'd be satisfied carrying my wife's briefcase. He used to say that all the time. He said, listen, she's got revelation that comes out of her. You know, she's a better preacher than I am. This, and he would say this all the time. He said, I'd be satisfied just to carry her Bible and her briefcase if the Lord would allow me to. 
Why? Because it's not a small thing when God's anointed you to do something. And he said to them, is it a small thing? What's more, you haven't brought us into the wonderful country. Wait a minute. He goes, is it a small thing? They mimicked. Wait, wait a minute. What verse am I in? Uh, nine. Is it a small thing to you? This is the living. That he has given this task to you only, you Levites. And now you are demanding the priesthood also. You're, in, you're, you're, you're coming against me because you want my spot. You think you can do it better. Sometimes in our minds, we think we can do it better. And you got to be careful for that. That is what you are really after. That is why you are revolting against Jehovah and what has Aaron done, that you are dissatisfied with him. Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abram and the sons of Elab, but they refused to come. Is it a small thing they mimicked that you brought us out of, oh gosh, lovely Egypt? Lovely Egypt. Is it a small thing that you brought us out of lovely Egypt to kill us here in this terrible wilderness and that now you want to make yourself our king? This is rebellion. And you got to be careful when you go, what does the pastor think? Who does he think he is? I can hear from God. God speaks to me. But he's got a voice. And that voice has been given by God. And we have to respect that and we have to honor that. You know, in uh, 2005, we looked at a piece of property. It was 156 acres. And the first thing we did when my husband showed me the property, it was a beautiful driveway. I said, honey, buy me the driveway. I don't care what the house looks like. Should have never said that. But anyway, <laughs> driveway's beautiful. And so uh, my father, when he would come, he'd go, Debbie, this driveway, it looks like somebody in Hollywood lives here. <laughs> the house is a smaller ranch house, but the driveway is beautiful. We saw it. I said, we better call Dr. Frank. We called him. We said, Doc. My husband called him. He goes, Doc. He goes, I found 156 acres over here. He said, I want you to carry it in your spirit. He said, I think I'm going to put an offer in it, but I want you, you know, if you sense anything, you let me know. You know, because if he did, if he did, we don't need it. If it's going to hinder us somehow. And you know, doctor, he's not going to make a decision for you. But after we said that, we were very mindful when we were in his presence as to what he would say. Because if he would say, now, now, Pastor Johnny, are, are, are you sure you want to take that on right now? If he would have just said that, pay attention to what he says. Called us back and he said, I told my wife about that. And he said, she said what I thought. That sounds about right for, you know, Pastor Johnny. You know, he's a rancher, you know. I mean, he just loves the land and cattle and all that. Sounds about right. And so it was encouraging. But we kept listening. When we put in, you know, to get into escrow and stuff, we just kept listening. We just kept listening. Because at any time, until the last document is signed, if we heard something that was in a way that maybe this is not. Now, don't get me wrong. We're checking our spirits also, but we're also deferring. 
if there's anything, you let me know. You sense anything, anything I'm not seeing, you let me know. We, we learned, don't want anything so bad that you'll override the counsel that God has ordained in your life. Don't want anything that bad. You, you get yourself in trouble when you want something so much more than what divine counsel is leading you in. And you know, the only reason why the pastor has to say something is because you're not listening to God. Listen, we've got enough to do. We don't want to control your lives. Listen, I tell my congregation, if I could control you, I would for the good. If I could control you to, to live better lives, I would, but nobody can control anybody. You know, when they say, you know, you go to a controlling church. Oh, please. Half the things these people do, I'm going, my God, if I could control you, you wouldn't be doing that. You know, we got to, you know, take care of a lot of messes sometimes when people get themselves in trouble. It's like, whoa, if I could control you, you would have never fallen into that mess. But now let's clean it up. Amen. This is what happens when we pastor. Verse 15, then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, do not accept their sacrifices. I have never stolen so much as a donkey from them and have not hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, come here tomorrow before the Lord with all your friends. Aaron will be there too. Be sure to bring your censers and the incense on them. A censer for each man, 250 in all. And Aaron also will be there with his. So they did. They came with their censers and lit them and placed the incense on them and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron. Meanwhile, Korah had stirred up the entire nation against Moses. Now think about this. One man stirred up the entire nation. How much can one person influence people against what's right? You better make sure that your conversations are not influencing people to look at the pastoral office in a way that would cause you not to regard like you should regard. You better make sure that you're not get, making an innuendo or, 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 or a little hint or a little something that would make people have a question about who they are supposed to be submitted to. See, sometimes people don't do it just bold out and say what they think. They make a little innuendo, you know, uh, just a little... Um, comment here and there that puts a question in someone else's heart that's dangerous you can't do that meanwhile Korah had stirred up the entire nation against Moses and Aaron and they all assembled to watch then the glory of Jehovah appeared to all the people and Jehovah said to Moses and Aaron get away from these people so that I may instantly destroy them but Moses and Aaron fell face downward to the ground before the Lord. Oh God, the God of all mankind, they pleaded, must you be angry with all the people when one man sins? Now they're interceding for them. Even though he, Korah had incited the whole people, Moses is still caring for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, then tell the people to get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. So Moses rushed over to the tents of Dathan and Abram, following, following closely by the 250 Israeli leaders. Quick, he told the people, get away from these, the tents of these wicked men and don't touch anything 
that belongs to them, lest you be included in their sins and be destroyed with them. How dangerous is it to get around somebody who's critical? How dangerous is it to get around someone that doesn't love the local church and the pastoral office and, and, and everything that goes with it as much as you do? How dangerous is it? A little leaven leavens. So all the people stood back from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood at the entrances of their tents with their wives and their sons and their little ones. Moses said, by this you shall know that Jehovah has sent me to do all these things that I have done. For I have not done them on my own. For I have not done them on my own. He was sent by God. That's what we always have to remember. The, the, the local church is ordained by God. Coming together is ordained by God. Worship is ordained by God. Giving is ordained by God. Serving is ordained by God. Honoring the, the, the fivefold ministry is ordained by God. Don't ever forget what is ordained by God and make it the premium. Make it the premium. Verse 29, if these men die a natural death or from some ordinary accident or disease, then Jehovah has not sent me. But if the Lord does a miracle and the ground opens up and swallows them and everything that belongs to them and they go down alive in shade, whatever that word is, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. He had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split open beneath them and a great uh, fissure swallowed them up along with their tents and families and the friends who were standing with them. Watch out. Watch who your friends are. Because when trouble starts coming to their house, it could start coming to your house too. With everything that they owned. The ground supernaturally opened up and took them. Why? Because they presumed too much. And they were not satisfied with what God had authored for their lives. These are the little foxes that spoil the vine. Why? Because attitude with God is everything. So we watch these things. We make sure when something happens to disappoint us, which you know, that's, that's our flesh, that's our feelings. You know, we're human beings. We, you know, we, we, we could get a little hurt, a little disappointment, but you know what? You don't harbor that. You realize that's dangerous. You let it go. I, I'm going to let that go. Because I don't want it to build a case and, and to separate me from what God has joined me to. I, I'm not going to let I'm gonna let, not going to let somebody else's offense Cause me to devalue what God has called precious for my life. These are the things that we have to remember. The local church is precious. The pastoral anointing is precious to us. The fivefold ministry gifts are precious to us. The ordinances of the church are precious to us. We don't want anything to help us devalue that. Because that will not help us fulfill what God's called us each to do. And it will, it will stifle us from being satisfied in what God has authored for us. Listen, one thing that I experienced coming out of the world and getting saved is that finally I was satisfied that this is what I was born for. I was satisfied. I, I, when I was raising my children, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I know that the world looks very appealing, but you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be fulfilled not doing what you're born for. 
I am fulfilled. And you don't want anything to keep you from being satisfied and fulfilled in what God's called you to do. So we, we, we're, we're aware now. And when, when the enemy in our mind tries to take us down those thoughts, we go, no, no, no. No, you're not getting me off. You're not going to get me dissatisfied with what God has authored for my life. I cannot get dissatisfied with my pastor or the way he does things or she. You know, Pastor Morgan pastors the church. And, you know, I can't get dissatisfied. I have to stay fervent in my regard. I can't let anyone tempt me to be dissatisfied with what God authored because that'll take me off course. And so remember that. Amen. Amen. I heard the Lord say, when you take, when you get up afterward and you conclude the service, I want you to say something to the people and tell them it's, this did not come this morning and evening, which both had the same theme, honoring the local church, honoring the pastor's office. Uh, tell them that this did not come forth by my spirit through her because there's major upheaval or problems in our church currently. Do you understand? Because sometimes there's major problems in a church and God will send somebody to correct those problems. And, and so you may be thinking, well, why, if you're smart, you may be thinking, why is God talking about all this? Something serious must be going on behind the scenes because there must be a lot of rebellion going on or there must be a lot of whatever. And I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, tell the people it's not because there's a lot of issues right now. Every church has a few little issues all the time. That's normal, kind of almost shouldn't be, but it is. We're dealing with those little things. They're very small. They're very inconsequential. There's nothing major going on. So why is God, as a part of this most important week of our entire year, because he said this weekend is the same. It, it continues. Don't unhook from what Pastor Nancy did. Why is God talking about this if it doesn't immediately relate to our congregation? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I heard him say, tell them it's because the days ahead and, the ch and there's certain increases and there's certain things coming for our church. I'm telling you, you'll see it. You mark my words. But the days ahead, because there's new doors of opportunity that are opening in 2024 for our congregation. And the Lord said, because not that it's right now, but because of what's coming. What does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 69? A great and effectual door is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And Pastor Debbie, as just as loud as I'm saying it right now, I heard it in my spirit. He said, the days are coming where new doors will be opening for this ministry. And at those doors, there will be seasons of increased demand attack and listen if the devil can get the congregation upset offended uh, uh, mad at me not only will you not receive and grow but what happens is you start you start feeling dissatisfied disconnected no one loves me and then you leave and and with that then we go backwards instead of forwards and it can affect the plan of God for the future so I believe the, the Lord is doing this now not because we're in some urgent there's an urgent core rebellion brewing and we have to, you know, deal with that. It's because God knows what's coming. And I'm not saying there's some urgent rebellion coming either. Okay, what I'm saying is he knows what's coming and he wants to reestablish the foundation so that when new people come that don't know this, you can also be a help to them to say, hold on, brother, sister, hold on. That's not how we talk here. That's not how we think here. That's not how we roll in this church. 
because you're going to have to teach some people because I'm not always around to teach them. I mean, I'm here, but I can't address every single thing I hear everywhere in the bathroom or wherever. And uh, sometimes the most, dis- the most dissenting people, Pastor Debbie, you've pastored long enough to know, they'll never say it to me. They talk about it in the bathroom. They talk about it in the cafe. They talk about it in the parking lot. And, and you have to be the one with the voice. To, to say, hold on a second, that's not a... So this is not because we have a major problem. It, it's because God is setting, reestablishing the foundation so that, <clears throat> so that when we move through some of these doors and the enemy tries to put some pressure on the congregation to get offended and to get all these feelings going, that you already know how to answer it and how to handle it. When you folks come, you can help them. That's, what, that's why God is doing this. I don't want anybody to think that, you know what I'm saying? Because some people may think, listen, God's talking to us. God's talking to us. We need to pay attention to this. So maybe something bad is really happening and we don't know about it. That's not the case. I want to say that to you. But I believe that it's important because God knows the strategies of the enemy and he needs us to be established on this. Hallelujah. I've taught a lot about the local church. I teach in other churches about the local church, but I got to tell you that was one of the best uh, deliveries and anointings that I have heard ever in my life. And uh, what we're going to do, I think, is when people join the church, one of the things we're going to, maybe not right away, but within that first year of them being with us, because, you know, some people join and then they leave within, you know, they realize you believe in tithing and they're gone two weeks later. So you got to give them a little bit of time to acclimate, to feel loved, to feel, you know, a part of the team and get them in ministry of helps. But after they've acclimated, I think this is going to be a standard thing. These Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, we're going to give this to people to say, now listen, guard your heart, because this is, if you can't handle this if you don't handle the local church right uh, it's going to affect your life because you won't grow you'll get separated you'll leave and it will affect the long-term vision because every living stone has to come together to make this work everybody has to hear this do you understand and God is not opening the ground today do you understand that this is a different dispensation but the principle is no less true in fact it's more true because we have a better covenant. So what does God do? All he does is when you step out of line, if people do that, and I've seen it, Greg has been with me since the beginning. He's seen it so many times. Uh, what happens is God does not, God doesn't do anything to them, but their disobedience to the principles of the word removes them from the umbrella of that covenant of protection. And now they're just, they're saved, but they're just like the world from the perspective of they don't have that protection because their disobedience has, they took themselves out. God didn't take them out. They took themselves out. Now they're over here in no man's land and the devil's looking. He's looking like a roaring lion, looking who he can get. And all of a sudden, that's where that happened. Remember the lady, she broke her ankle. You know, God didn't cause her to fall in that hole if you were listening this morning, but she stepped out because of her, uh, she misaligned herself because of her disagreement with the word and the way she treated that pastor in that church. And now that you're out there and the hand of God can't protect you, he wants to protect you, but he he can't because of your actions, because of your sin, because it is sin. Then the devil starts, then things start going wrong and people say, it's the devil that does all that. Back in the Old Testament, God opened it up. But now in the New Testament, he doesn't do that. But the devil is out to destroy. We want to stay safe, keep our hearts right, obey God, and stay under that umbrella. Then, then the rain falls around us. It doesn't fall on us. You step out from that, you're going to be, you're, you're, yeah, I'm just saying, because we have a lot of people here. Some of them are new. There's people here tonight that are, that are new. 
Okay, this is not a believers only. We used to have a members only. Remember just a little while ago, we, we would have members only. I could say things because I know the members know. But the Lord said, open it up to anybody because the Holy Ghost flow, people are looking for that. And so we've opened it up and we've already seen people saved and healed just by coming, not even members of our church, just by coming to our evening services. So you never know who's here. You never know what level they're at. And some people may think, my God, they're saying God's going to kill me if I don't honor the pastor. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying you start standing against what God's doing. You're going to come on out from under that divine flow of protection. And the devil will cause mischief in your life, not Jesus. He loves you. He's trying to help you. And we're not having major problems. In fact, we are, we are a good, strong local church. But I believe he is reinforcing the concrete because days are coming and new folks are coming that don't know this. And you have to be a voice in the, in the cafe, in the bathroom, in the hallways, on the phone. You have to be my extended voice with these principles because I can't, I don't know everything that's going on. And by the way, the Holy Ghost doesn't show me everything that's going on. You know, somebody came to me a little while ago and they said, Pastor, this person said this and I think they're getting offended. I know God must have told you. I looked at them, I said, God didn't tell me. He does tell me many things, but he didn't tell me that. And they said, well, why wouldn't God tell you? Like they looked at me like I had failed. And I said, because you know. He didn't need to tell me because you know and you are mature enough to help that person, to fix that problem, to nip that in the bud. So don't just always put it back on me because he doesn't tell me everything. He tells me some things, but he doesn't tell me everything. Why? Because he knows we have a good congregation. We have a good, good head on their shoulders. They've got renewed minds for the most part, and they're going to be able to help handle some of these little idiosyncrasies, that little ripples that happen in the congregation. So just be bold. Don't, don't be mean to people, but just be bold and, and let people know what, what you believe on the lines and what she's preaching. Hallelujah. Because there's other ones that will come that have never had this teaching. And ravenous wolves, the Bible says, will try to come and to tear the vision apart. I'm, I, my, my, my authority keeps those kind of people out. And sometimes people come in and I just know and I tell the ushers, tell them, yeah, this is not your church. Go find another pastor. So I am protecting the church, but you're also protecting the church. I just want to, I just feel prompted to tell you it's for the future. It's for the future. It's not because we're having a major problem now. It's to protect us from having major problems in the future. So thank God for the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. As a pastor, I'm so grateful. I never asked her to preach this. I didn't know she was going to preach this. You spoke to her father when she was sitting in the meetings with Pastor Nancy last week. I didn't say anything about what I wanted her to share or not share. You authored this. And Holy Ghost, we want whatever you've authored. And it's come in a very, in a very powerful, direct, and yet loving way. The delivery has been loving, yet direct. And Father, we receive those words. Some of us, in, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, some of them in this room need to heed because they have to make adjustments based on what this instruction has, has given us. And there's some, Father, that, that need to adjust things, make tweaks in their heart, in their words, in their mind, in their life, so that they are, they're starting to get off the path and they need to get right back in the middle of the road. So I thank you for the ones that need to make the adjustments. They make it because, Lord, you're trying to help us. You're not trying to hurt us. You're trying to rescue us so that we can fulfill the greatness of your plan. And so that we can fulfill our part in our lives, but also as it's connected to this local church. So I thank you right now. Just with your head bowed and eyes closed. If, there, if you know, if there was a conviction or, or a, little, a, little, a little thing that come up in your heart while she was ministering. And you go, you know what? I don't want to admit it, but that's me. 
And I don't, I don't want to tell anybody, but I've been thinking that. Yeah, I've, I've, kind of, I've kind of been talking behind the scenes this, or I need to adjust that over there, or I need to make a tweak in my, in my, in my soul in this area. Uh, just, just right now before the Lord, because he loves you. Just he's rescuing you. Take the rescue and just say, Lord, I make that change right now. I make that adjustment right now. In Jesus' name, thank you for planting me by the rivers of living water here at Promise of Life. Thank you for giving me a pastor that loves me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the correction. You correct those that you love. Thank you for loving me tonight. Thank you for loving me this morning. In Jesus' name, I believe people all over that need to make small tweaks, they make that right now. Hallelujah. We need to apply it to our lives and be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. So that's what I'm endeavoring to lead you in right this moment. Thank you, Father.